Good morning. This is Pastor Todd. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Gathering Place podcast. This week, I am sharing a message for the church. I trust the Lord uses it to encourage and build you up. And here is this week's message. What he's doing and on Monday nights, and we thank you as uh, his work as a pastor at DGP, and bless him as he gives instructions on the gift of prophecy. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before I get started, dear Heavenly Father, I pray for Juan and his family, Lord, that um, in this season with his grandma, that you would use this as an opportunity to speak your life and your truth to Juan's family, that they would see the God that loves them, the God that saves them, the God that cares for them. Lord, that they would come to a saving faith and a saving knowledge of who you are. And Lord, I pray that you would use Juan greatly in this and that you would touch his grandma and to move in her, Lord, and increase her sense of your presence, your power, and your love, Lord. Um, and just bless Juan and his family in that, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so um, what are we doing right now? We, we started out with a series in Hebrews, um, and then we started this prophecy class. So what we're kind of doing is like interspersing uh, a prophecy series along with the Hebrew series. So uh, Kara started us off last week with the... Uh, uh, the prophecy series, and so I'm going to take uh, part two of that, and I'm going to focus on the characteristics of how prophecy looks, particularly with Samuel in the Old Testament. Um, and so everything is coming out of Samuel. There's a lot of passages. There's a lot of uh, verses I'm going to read, um, and then uh, we'll we'll do a, a, a summary uh, at the end of, of what prophecy looks like regarding Samuel, because prophecy covers a large spectrum of things, can look a lot of different ways, people with the prophetic can be in a lot of different positions across social strata, political strata, Uh, so we're just going to take one particular one with Samuel, and look how it shows up in Samuel, not that that's the pattern for everything else, but the reason I chose Samuel is because, other than Moses, like, he's like the first significant prophet in the nation of Israel. Because Moses never got into the promised land, but once you get into the promised land, like Samuel ends up being like the first recognized prophet in Scripture. There were some other ones. Um, they called them seers. We don't have a lot of documentation for that. But, but Samuel's the first one we see in Scripture. He's, one, he's the final judge in the book of Judges. He's also a prophet who then is like this transition point into the monarchy in Israel. So that's like a little bit of the history of it. So, as we continue our series on prophecy, um, it's because we're doing this eight-week thing on Monday nights, these workshops, it's going to go through August. Um, we're going to look at how prophecy shows up through Samuel, and we're going to look at the characteristics of the prophetic through um, the corpus of Scripture. We're going to, we're going to cover different, different uh, prophetic uh, examples in Scripture. We're going to focus on Samuel. Um, because the prophetic is an example of God meeting his people where they are in their time, in their culture, in their language, and in their situations. So the prophetic showing up with Samuel is going to be way different than the prophetic showing up for us here and now. Just like how he shows up here and now is quite a bit different than how he showed up in the first century. It's different time, different language, different culture, different situations. So let's see what we can pull out of Samuel. <clears throat> so I'm going to plow through the scriptures. Um, you guys can read along with me if you want, or just listen, just like an audio book. Um, starting with 
1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. <clears throat> the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, who was the high priest at the time, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. So he's sleeping right next to the ark of the covenant, well, pretty, in pretty close proximity, uh, which is kind of a rarity to begin with. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. Um, my son, Eli, said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Ooh, what a word. Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision. But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, Here I am. What was it he said to you? Eli asked. Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you. Be it ever so severely if you hide from me anything he told you. Think about being on a rock in a hard space, right? So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, He is the Lord, let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear, to appear at Shiloh, that's where the, the, the tabernacle, the ark was housed at the time, in Shiloh. And there he revealed himself to Samuel, through his word. Now we're going to jump over to chapter 8. All the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. So Samuel had been a judge for most of his life. He's already gotten married. He's had kids. Now his kids are um, kind of helping out in some administrative roles. Samuel's older. And all the elders gathered to meet Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, You are old and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him, Listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, 
but they have rejected me as their king. As they have done away from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly, and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. We'll jump over to chapter 9, verse 15. Now the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed this to Samuel. About this time tomorrow I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, Anoint him ruler over my people Israel. He will deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. I have looked on my people, for their cry has reached me, crying for the king. When Samuel caught sight of Saul, the Lord said to him, This is the man I spoke to you about. He will govern my people. Now we're going to jump forward a few verses. Uh, 9.26. Now I'm, I'm skipping a lot of the, dia- the, the dialogue, you know, a lot of the, um, the, the fill-ins. Uh, just for the sake of brevity. They rose about daybreak. This is Samuel, Saul, you guys were with Saul. Samuel called to Saul on the roof, Get ready, and I will send you on your way. When Saul got ready, he and Samuel went outside together. As they were going down to the edge of town, Samuel said to Saul, Tell the servant to go on ahead of us. And the servant did so. But you stay here for a while, so that I may give you a message from God. Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? When you leave me today, you will meet two men near Rachel's tomb at Zelzah on the border of Benjamin. And they will say to you, the donkeys you set out to look for have been found. And, you're, and now your father has stopped thinking about them and is worried about you. He is asking, what shall I do about my son? Then you will go on from there until you reach the great tree of Tabor. Three men going up to worship God at Bethel will meet you there. One will be carrying three young goats, another three loaves of bread, and another a skin of wine. They will greet you and offer you two loaves of bread, which you will accept from them. After that, you will go to um, Gibeah of God, where there is a Philistine outpost. As you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high place with lyres, timbrels, pipes, and harps being played before them, and they will be prophesying. The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with him, with them, and you will be changed into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. Okay. Whew. I know, that was a mouthful. There's a lot going on, right? But we have several examples of God speaking to Samuel and Samuel recounting that. So, here are the points that we're going to pull out of that. The first one is Samuel's ability to audibly hear the voice of the Lord, which it says in this whole thing. In those days, that was rare. Not many people were able to hear the voice of the Lord like this. How do we know he's, he's hearing it and it's not something else, like reading a scripture and it just popping out at him and things like that? Our example starts out when he's a young kid, sleeping, what, 10 feet away from the Ark of the Covenant, God calls him, and it's clear enough that he thinks that Eli is calling him. So he gets up three times and goes to Eli and says, hey, I'm here, you called me. He's hearing something. He's hearing his name. So it's clear enough that in this instance, God is saying Samuel, and he's hearing this audibly. And it says that God revealed himself, a little bit later on, to Samuel through his word. Well, 
He doesn't have scripture back then. They might have like the law, but it would say the law. This is word. So God is speaking a word to Samuel and revealing things by word, right? By dictation to Samuel. So what we get is this conversational type of communication between God and Samuel. You know, God calls, Samuel says, yes, Lord, I'm listening, and then God proceeds to talk to Samuel um, about whatever the, the situation is. Now, I don't, I've not met very many people that have like audibly heard the voice of the Lord. I mean, it's, to me, it's still rare to this day. And I think I've met like one person that I, I can recall. I mean, he's, he was a guy gifted in the prophetic in my church when I was a teenager uh, down at the bottom of Illinois. Um, now, I've done a lot of listening prayers in the last 20 years or so, and it doesn't show up like this. Um, actually, in uh, the words of one of the girls on a Wednesday night, she said it was like a ticker tape. Like you see like on the news, you got the little ticker tape that scrolls down to the bottom. She said that it was like that. that like she's not hearing anything. She's seeing this ticker tape of words that she would try to read and, and, and try to read it fast enough to be able to get everything out. And I didn't get a ticker tape. What I get is, um, okay, so this is how communication works. When I speak, you know, like the sound waves hit into the air and your eardrums receive that and they pick up that pattern, and then your brain translates that into meaning. That's kind of how communication works. Whenever I hear from the Lord, I don't get the sound waves, but I get everything after that. So when the Lord's talking to me, I say, Lord, you know, what do you say? Like, that process from interpreting the sound waves into, like, words that my mind interprets, that's where it picks up. So I just start getting words and interpreting those words into my brain whenever the Lord speaks to me. Um, so I, so I, I don't actually hear anything, so there's no sensation, right? But it's this communicative thing. And, and I think that's probably how a lot of people, when they hear the voice of the Lord, that's what they hear. Um, some of them may actually hear the sound waves. I, I, I don't know. It's just not been my experience. But Samuel has this ability to hear the Lord, uh, especially at a time when it was rare. So that's the first thing we can pull out of this. He's hearing. The Lord is speaking to him. It's not just scripture popping out of him. It's not him having a conversation and then a word triggers something, which happens quite a bit as well. And it's not him observing somebody work and the Lord speaking through that. Say, hey, pay, pay attention to this. It's like this epiphany with a clay maker, right? Or a pottery person. He's hearing the Lord and he's having a conversational pattern with that. Another thing we can pull out of Samuel is that Samuel's prophetic words sometimes were eerily detailed. Like sometimes you get a prophetic word and it's so vague that it, it could just be anything, right? Or it, it, it could be so... I, th I think a lot of prophets have kind of gotten good at this. Uh, and not even like prophets, but people who like act to prophesy. They basically prophesy things in between the lines of Scripture so you can't prove it right or wrong, kind of a thing. That's not happening with Samuel. His stuff is detailed. Like, look at the prophecy over Eli. Like, apparently Eli had already received a word of the Lord that some sort of a judgment is coming, and the Lord's now confirming it through Samuel, what I said is coming to pass. Now, if you follow on later on, a uh, few, few chapters later, what happens is that the, the Israelites are losing a battle to the Philistines, so they think if we take the Ark of the Covenant out, then we're going to defeat them because God's presence, the Ark, is going to be there and we will have victory. Well, they lost the battle, 
and I think it was the, uh, one of the Philistine groups ended up taking the ark. And it was such a dramatic thing that um, the, the, the two, uh, Eli's two sons ended up, I think, dying in battle. One of their do- uh, wives uh, was pregnant, was moved into premature birth, and uh, named her child Ichabod, which means the glory has departed because the glory of the Lord, the ark, has departed from Israel. And then Eli was sitting on a like a like a stool like this, rocking back. He hears it, falls back, breaks his neck, and dies. I mean, so like, like that that starts the end of like Eli's line from these words of Samuel. So eerily detailed, right? Like this is happening. Then when he prophesies over Saul's cattle, like all of that comes to pass. Like cattle's been found, it's over here, this and that and the other. And then this prophesy, prophecy over Saul of him transitioning. I mean, those details, I, I read it. That's kind of like, if I was to say, uh, this is not prophecy. This is just an example, right? Justin, when you get out of here, you're going to drive home. But instead of taking 176, you're going to decide to take, um, you know, uh, Winchester, right, to get to 45. By the time you get halfway through 45, a deer is going to cross the road and it's going to force you to slam on your brakes. And then when you get down a little bit further, five sparrows are going to fly overhead and land on the second phone post on the left. And then you're going to make a right. And then you're going to see a hobo sitting on a bench at the bus stop. And he's going to wave at you. And then you're going to turn left. I mean, like, it, it's that detailed, right? He's like, you're going to go here. These guys, are they got three loaves of bread. They're going to give you two loaves of bread. And then this is going to happen. And it's like such detail. Like, you, you couldn't map that out if you wanted to, right? But here Samuel is telling Saul, step by step, his way back home, this is going to happen. And then you're going to come up to a group of prophets. And then... God's going to come upon you and you're going to start prophesying and then when you get done you're going to be changed into a different person. Uh, now the end of Saul's life something similar happens but that's, uh, that's a whole other commentary there. But Samuel stopped eerily accurate. Now that is a, that's, that's a pretty good sign that this is, person is, is like really gifted in the prophetic. right? So we, we, we make the delineation here at the, at the gathering place that you have people that are specifically gifted as a prophet, right? Like that's kind of like, like I'm gifted as a teacher. That's my gift. God's called me to be a teacher. I'm a teacher of the word. I love to learn. I love to communicate. I love all of that stuff. That's just the way God made me. Some people, God just made them as prophet. However, what we tend to call prophecy in the church comes out of this uh, passage in John where Jesus says, my sheep know me and they know my voice, right? And so what a lot of times we call prophecy is really being able to hear the voice of the Lord, either for our own lives or for those around us, that we get a word from the Lord for people. And we call that the prophetic, right? So it doesn't mean that you're a prophet, but you operate in the prophetic. It's a, it's a slight dis- distinction. However, here's the thing. Some people are also gifted with the gift of discernment. So they can tell right away whether something's from the Lord and something's not. Uh, some people aren't gifted with discernment. And how do you know the difference, right? Because a, a prophecy of God's going to be on point. It's 
It's going to be accurate, and it's going to like speak to you where you're at. But then there's also like the demonic version, right? So you can have very accurate psychics or mediums, whatever you want to call them, and a demonic prophecy can also be very accurate. Can speak to where you're at, and can uh, you can identify with it. So it's very similar. One of the things that you can tell to know the difference is that a demonic prophetic will prophesy something about your past, something shameful in your past, will bring up your sin uh, in a condemning way, and will start playing on your weaknesses. You know, if, if we have a, like, if I had the, the, you know, the sin of gluttony that I struggled with, like, eating, overeating, right? Like, they will play on that, but it, but it won't bring life and freedom, it'll bring shame and condemnation and guilt. And so, as Jesus said, you'll know a tree by its fruit. You can tell that with the prophetic as well. You know, Scripture says, test the spirits. Uh, scripture says God's not the author of fear, power, love, and a sound mind. Does the word come, does it empower you? Does, do you feel loved by God through the word? Do you feel uh, encouraged? Do you, do you feel driven to the Holy Spirit? Or do you feel shame? Do you feel beaten down? Do you feel defeated? Do you feel condemned by it? That's one of the best barometers to, to determine whether or not a word or a prophecy, no matter how accurate it is, is from the Lord or from the devil. Just a little, you know, little, uh, little word of wisdom there. So then the last thing um, that we can pull out of Samuel's prophecies is that in Samuel's day and age, the prophet, well, he, he's kind of the first one that does this, ends up becoming a kingmaker. So he's the one that anointed Saul. He's the one that officiated Saul becoming a king. Now, God did all the work. God's the one that put the vote together and, and stacked the deck and things like that. But he tipped Samuel off. He said, this is going to be the guy that's going to lead my people. He also ends up tipping Samuel to go to David a little bit down the road. So the prophet ends up playing a kingmaker in this context. We're not going to see that much in our context um, in America, I would say. doesn't mean that God's not tipping off prophets on who the next leader is going to be. I just say tread very cautiously on things like that. But often, in addition to that, the prophet, in terms of authority for a nation, can also be on par with the king. And so we see this where, where Saul neglected some of his duties. He neglected instruction from the Lord, and that's how he lost his kingship. So whenever they defeated um, King Agag and the Philistines under him, it wasn't Saul that executed Agag. Agag thought that he was in the clear because Saul was such a weak king until Samuel shows up, takes a sword, and chops the dude's head off in front of everybody. So Samuel is the one that's doing the king's duty because the king was not stepping up to it. He also declared God's rejection rejection of Saul for the disobedience. You know, the first thing he, he comes in, you know, Saul's like, oh, Samuel, the Lord's given us like the, the, the victory, and, and we've done everything the Lord said. And then, what's Samuel's reply? What is this bleating of sheep that I hear? Right? So, really getting at the issue that God said, slaughter everything. And they didn't. He's like, well, but we saved the best to sacrifice to the Lord. And Samuel's like, no. The Lord does 
desires obedience over sacrifice. It doesn't matter if this is worth $8 million worth of livestock to be sacrificed. You didn't obey, right? And so there's this declaration of, of Saul being rejected as king. And, and, and Samuel has so much authority um, in, in this arena that even Saul, like, begs Samuel at his feet, like, please don't go away without me, because he, he wanted to save face. He wanted to be able to look good. And so there's this whole dramatic thing there. And you know, he ends up tearing Samuel's robe, and Samuel goes, the way you tore my robe is the way God's going to tear the kingdom away from you. And so you have another prophetic declaration. So those are like the three main things that we can pull out of Samuel is that he's, he, in, a, in a time where it's rare, he audibly hears the voice of the Lord. And we can hear the voice of the Lord. It may not be audible. It might be like me where like, the sound part doesn't happen, but all of the rest of it happens inside the mind. You know what? Uh, and we're going to look at different ways uh, that the Lord speaks to us. This is one of the examples we see in Samuel. Another one is being placed in strategic positions, whether it's socially, um, in church, politically, um, in your profession. God will place you in a, a, you know, in a strategic place to offer prophetic insight um, for whatever the purpose is. We'll see that with Daniel. We saw it a little bit with Joseph in, in, back in Egypt. And we'll see it with uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Like, we'll see lots of little examples of, of God using people with the prophetic in strategic places. So, um, hearing the voice of the Lord, Samuel um, is in strategic places, and uh, he's, he's got a really, really good knack for accuracy. I mean, it said so much that like, like Samuel's words were so accurate that he got a, a reputation of being a prophet from God. And so, that regularity uh, yields a lot. So, words of the Lord, we can hear the voice of the Lord. Scripture says, I know my sheep, my sheep know me, they can hear my voice. We can hear the voice of the Lord. For us as believers in the new covenant, hearing the voice of the Lord, we don't have to rely on some prophet over the region to speak to us. We have communication with the Lord in our own private closets. We just have to open our ears. We have to be like Samuel and say, speak because your servant is listening. And then listen. Um... It's not going to be great at first, and it's going to be really spotty. You know what? That's okay. We learn. We learn. Just like I said last Monday, like, Alethea, uh, my little girl, just turned one last month. She's starting to get the idea of what daddy's voice sounds like, right? She's learning my voice, my cadence, like my songs, all that, all, all my little quirks. She knows who daddy is. She didn't start out that way. She had to learn that over time, and she'll continue learning. And that's how we are with the Lord. If we have never practiced listening to the voice of the Lord, like it's going to be really spotty until we get enough practice that we get familiar with it. We just need to work on listening. Take the time to do that. Um, continued validity of words establishes our ability to hear the voice. Like I said, you know, I've got a I've got a journal where I do listening prayer. It's it's like. I've been using it for about five years because I don't do it every day. But I can go back and I can say, oh yeah, the Lord really spoke about that. That came to pass. Uh, that one, not so much. I think I missed wrong on that. I've even gotten to the point now where I'm like hearing a voice of the Lord and if I hear something that I think it might be me, I'll put it in parentheses 
as a denoter, when I go back later, it's like, oh yeah, that, that might have been me. So I, that could be off a little bit. But um, before we even knew Alethea's gender, the Lord was telling me to start using the she pronoun. And I'm like, oh, we don't do that, Lord. Like, we, no false expectations. But it was so strong. I didn't tell anybody. I mean, I, I think I told Shannon a couple of days later, but I, I didn't tell anybody else about this whole thing until after we knew it was going to be a girl. And I was like, oh, okay. That one was pretty gone far. I would never do that for another family. I'm just telling you right now, I will not do that for another family. But for my family, for my private prayer time, for my baby girl, I was okay doing it. Right? Very, very specific use case in that. And I would, I would recommend using that kind of, of uh, particularity uh, in, in your own prophetic uh, journeys as well. And there will be select circumstances where God might give you an eerily detailed thing. But, but knowing, knowing when and where to share that, and even if to share it, right? Like sometimes, Kara sees tons of stuff, and I, I bet she only speaks about 15% of it. There's probably 85% that she just keeps in there and prays about. I'm just throwing that number out there because I don't know. Only Kara knows, right? But there's circumstances where we're called to speak it out, and there are circumstances where the Lord is... Uh, revealing that to us for the specific purpose of interceding and of praying, which uh, ties into a lot of uh, what uh, the Wednesday nights uh, do with a prayer intercession and things like that. And so knowing just because God shows you something doesn't mean you're supposed to shout it from the rooftops, right? Um, there's just certain things that, that are, need to be kept silent. Um, as one of the, I don't know if you guys ever heard about the Desert Fathers, it's like early church like recluses that go out to, to be with God. One of them said that uh, a person that speaks too much, particularly with things like this, right? A person that speaks too much is somebody is like somebody who who goes into like a sauna and leaves the door open. It just lets out all the potency for the thing, and that's that's where it is. It's like like you only open your mouth when the Lord tells you to, right? Just because you're privileged to hear from the Lord, which we all are in the New Covenant, doesn't mean that you share everything. Like, there, there's, a, there's a discretion that needs to happen. Uh, so, just be advised with that. But there are circumstances where God's going to show you something, He's going to tell you to speak it out, and it's going to be so detailed, you're like, this is, this is like, a, like an ad-lib puzzle going on here. You know? So, Yes. So prophets and those in prophetic roles will have varying positions, as we said. I don't think we will see very many national prophets anymore on par with like national rulers. Um, there might be here and there. I don't think we're gonna. I don't think that's as prominent in the new covenant. It's not impossible. Um, but what we see when we get to the New Testament is that Samuel isn't the norm of prophecy in the new covenant. So there's some things we can pull out of this, um, but when we look at how the prophets worked from, from Samuel into the New Testament, we can see an evolution of how prophecy works through Scripture as God begins to reveal what Paul calls the great mystery, which is the coming of Jesus. And so we see this evolution of prophecy and of the prophets um, until we get to the New Covenant, which we'll look at some of those in this series as well. As we continue... Uh, this, uh, these workshops on Monday nights. And so if you want 
to be involved in just getting practice in the prophetic. That's what the, the Monday nights are for. They're not for coming in and getting a lecture on like prophecy like you'd hear from like a, an expert in the 1970s, right? Where they pull out these big charts and, you know, we got John Hagee with like trying to figure out how the EU now fits in with, with the beast and the mark. And we're not doing any of that. That's, for us, the prophetic on Monday nights is how we as individuals can practice hearing the word of the Lord for ourselves for the encouragement of others and the different ways that that happens. So we have a different theme. We have a different subject for each week. This last week, it was particularly names that Kara brought up. So like, what is your... Is the Lord saying something about the meaning of your name, right? So my name, my full name, Todd Michael Williams. Todd means wise one. Michael, in the Bible, means who is like God. And Williams comes from the old, uh, like, Wilhelm, which means will and helmet. So it basically combines to mean protector. So there's the wise one who is like God, who is a protector. Like, that would be the, the actual meaning of my name. Uh, none of that got highlighted uh, last week, which is fine, because the Lord was sharing other things. So it could have been, what's the meaning of your name? What's the Lord saying about that? Is there some other character, either in history or in cinema, right, that, that shares that name with you, that, that, that the Lord's wanting to say that there are some similar traits or characteristics that the Lord wants to highlight? And... And then also, like, different, I mean, like, so we have different things. So last, last week was names, this week is going to be sight, uh, and then we'll get into other things uh, as we go on, because we've got seven more weeks to go. So if that's something you're interested in, it's a workshop, so everybody participates. There's no flies on the wall in this. Everybody has to be in a group. Everybody has to participate. So if you're kind of, like, skittish about that, then maybe not this time around. But if you want to get in there and get some practice, because it's, we can get it wrong. It's okay. We can get it wrong. Um... Because we're learning. You know what? Alethea didn't learn how to walk on, you know, the day she was born. She, she had to figure that out. And she still falls over like a drunk person. And you know what? It's okay because she's getting better. And that's what we're doing. We might stumble like a, like a person who can't even speak straight over there. But you know what? That's okay because we're getting better. We're learning to hear the voice of the Lord and to speak it out. That's, we want a safe environment where we can practice, where we can get it wrong because there's grace God wants us to grow in this. So we are. We're honoring the Lord by that. So anyway, that's, uh, that's our second part of our prophetic message. And I know, I try to keep it short and sweet as much as I can. Uh, it looks like it's a quarter tail. Is that right? So I'm going to wrap this part up. Fine and Dusty will get up and uh, finish this off here. And then after that, if anybody needs prayer, come grab one of us. We'll be glad to pray with you. Um, you'll probably see me at the computer back there because I upload the podcast right after this. But if you need prayer, grab somebody. Pretty much everybody we know here are believers, so grab somebody that you know and trust, and we'll be glad to pray for you. So, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this message. Thank you for your goodness and your grace, and thank you that you've revealed so much to us uh, in your word um, about prophecy. And so, Lord, we pray that your spirit goes forth in all of us, that you speak life and truth to all of us. Um, through the words that I spoke, through the words that people have prayed today, whatever the venue, Lord, Holy Spirit, do your work. We love you. We trust you. We put all of this in your hands as we walk to serve you with all of our heart, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello again. This is Pastor Todd. 
I pray the Lord uses my message today to strengthen your walk with God. If you are blessed by this message and would like to support the ministry of The Gathering Place financially, I encourage you to use our online giving portal at tgpchicago.org. The portal uses PayPal's secure site so none of your information is compromised. Once again, thank you for tuning in to The Gathering Place podcast. God bless you and have a great week.